Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Join our mailing list at orbitinghumancircus.com or follow us on social media at Orbiting Human Circus on Instagram or at Orbiting Human on Twitter if you're someone who does that sort of thing to learn about live OHC performances and events that we hope to bring you later this year and beyond. We are so excited to see you in person and we want to make sure you know about everything that's to come. And if you join our mailing list or follow us on either platform now, you'll get a chance to win a story told just to and for you over the telephone live by the janitor. No talking on your part required, just listening and enjoying. You can find links to our mailing list and other accounts at orbitinghumancircus.com. A co-presentation of WNYC Studios and Night Vale Presents. You are listening to the Orbiting Human Circus of the Air. gets very drunk. His eyes grow misty and he likes to talk about his grandmother. And the janitor, lying in his cot at the top of the Eiffel Tower, dreams that Jacques is very drunk at an all-night cafe that he, the janitor, and all the stagehands have gone to together after a hard night's work. Look at us. Look, look at us. I mean... Jacques raises his hand <laughs> to quiet the table. All right, all right, everyone, quiet down. You know, my grandma... At the beginning of Seda, every year, she would, uh, she would stop everybody, just like this, right? And, uh, and she'd say, I just want to thank God that all of us could be here together on this night. And it always stuck with me, you know, because, look, as, as a kid, you got these bullshit detectors, right? I, I just knew that she meant what she said, and it impressed me. But now, now that those people ain't sitting there anymore, I mean, now that those people ain't even around, and that place isn't around, that table even, now I know what those words meant. Now I can, uh, now I can say them myself. Oh, we love you, Jacques. Yeah, uh, come on, sing a song. I still hear you. The stagehands clearly needed to blow off steam in the midst of such an extraordinary stretch of work. And after a couple of hours of drinks and hors d'oeuvres, at last they ordered their food. <laughs> if you want some of this amazing matzo ball soup, then you've got to eat bread, don't you? I'd like to try a little spoon. Yeah, sure, go ahead. Okay. It's not quite as good as my grandmother's, mm, but this is, uh, it's how does she tasty then. Because this is good. Don't let the waiter hear that, because he'll tell the chef, and then my food hasn't come yet. <laughs> Maybe you come up and ask her for the recipe. And there's laughter. <laughs> <laughs> Mum's a word. <laughs> and the janitor enjoys this laughter yeah, sure. most of all. Hey, Mr. Janitor, have you ever tried that? Matzo ball soup? Yeah, kid. Yeah. Yes. Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> well, there you have Margot passes the ball to the janitor. Nothing else to add, janitor? Slurp. Slurp. Oh, that's all. He, he doesn't like to talk too much. You know, he's like a cowboy out on the range. 
and a good deal of food and a great many drinks later, the stagehands realize there is not time for them to go home, and they decide to camp out in the stagehands' lounge. A sleepover? This is indeed the janitor's dream. They walk back in the early morning air, and it feels wonderful. And we find them now back at the Eiffel Tower in the stagehands' lounge, setting up makeshift bedding beside the coffee machine and water cooler, filling up every available inch of floor space. And the janitor pretends to fall asleep in a chair, to be part of the sleepover too, and be near them. Hey, why, why, were you, why were you drinking Bloody Marys after midnight? Who does that? Do they do that in Scotland? Hey, Shaq. Yeah. Um, you ever you ever heard of this song? Uh, wait, wait. Let me let me remember the words. Uh, go to sleep. Go to sleep. Yo, that's not a song. Shut your mouth and go to sleep. Hey, yeah, I remember that too. Uh, good night. Good night. Sleep well. Good night. But the janitor finds sleeping in a chair not quite as easy as he pretended, and decides to go upstairs because he, of course, has a cot. Only the janitor would dream of going to sleep in the cot in which he's actually dreaming, in his dream. I mean, what's going to happen? Infinity? Well, we'll never know, because back in the stagehand's lounge, Jacques cannot sleep, no matter how hard he tries. He's far too excited. And after lying there for countless minutes, Jacques has a brilliant idea. He pictures having the stagehands shower all to himself for a long, luxurious shower with all the hot water. And here we find him in nothing but a towel, making his way through the silent theater to the stagehands shower. He opens the door, and... Ah! It is twenty minutes later. Jacques has summoned the entire crew. They've taken the chains down that control the curtain. They've taken out the largest crate. They've lit several torches. And Letitia stands at the front, leading her co-workers on. Um, we are going to uh, rid Paris of this thing once and for all. Send it back where it came from, huh? We can do this. Okay. Yeah, we can do this. On the count of three, huh? One, two, three. Jacques! Letitia... It was in there, I, I swear. I, uh... It's not like we need sleep, buddy. The stagehands slowly move in on Jacques. No, 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 everyone, don't, uh, don't hurt him. We're going to need him to uplift things later. I swear to God, it was really there. Jacques, I can see, you know, your hair on the floor, huh? On the wall. If there was a polar bear in the shower, don't you think I would be able to see a little bit of fur? I don't see anything white. There, there's gotta be. There, there's just... What about that one? It's one of your gray hairs. I I haven't hey, I haven't got a single gray hair on my head. I saw one the other day in the light. No way. 
Really? Okay, Jacques, I got an idea. Uh, next time you see the polar bear, feed yourself to it. And that is where the janitor's dream ends. He sits up, surprised to find that he's in his own cot. Well, I mean, wasn't I just on the observation deck? Oh, no. He was supposed to polish the telescopes and clean the entire observation deck. But he'd started daydreaming, and he doesn't even remember coming to bed. Mm -mm. But the janitor has something else on his mind. The cafe that he'd been dreaming of seemed familiar. But it was the familiarity of something else that woke him up. Jacques' scream. There's something so evocative about it. Something that feels important. But he can't put his finger on it. He replays it in his mind over and over, studying its subtleties of timbre and pitch. And like the Madeleine cookie on Marcel Proust's tongue, it becomes for him one of those brief impressions that call us to ourselves and say to us, this is who I am. Ah, ah yes. The janitor turns the scream over and over in his mind, replaying it in every conceivable context. Here it is, set to the Schumann Piano Quintet in E-flat major. It's beautiful, isn't it? Notice how even Jacques' screams of terror find pitch, and how subtleties and nuance of taste and performance express themselves through it. Yes, Jacques has no idea that he has a potential for perfect pitch and a vast musical gift that along with the life of riches and fame it would bring, the world will never see. Because Jacques' only attempt at music was brief and long ago, when, picking up a friend's guitar, he showed startling aptitude, playing instantly, like this, decades before Joe Satriani. Unfortunately, his potential as a guitarist was instantly curtailed when arm-wrestling his friend for that guitar. Oh, My wrist! You broke my fucking wrist! Oh, I'm so sorry! If only he'd been trained to sing opera as a little boy. Wow, it's turning all blue and blowing up. That's so cool. Hmm, yes, well, never mind. The point is that the janitor is a lot like Proust. Well, they're both French, and they stay in bed all day. Good Lord, what's this? Somebody just slipped a letter under the janitor's door? The janitor doesn't get letters. He picks it up. What could it be? Oh my God. It is from... We will return in just a moment.
Look for the full version of Saw's Tales out April 1st on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Bandcamp, or your favorite digital music service provider. Okay, we're back. Who wrote him? Who is it? Beautiful handwriting. Oh my god. Scented paper. It is from Mr. Chenard. The janitor holds it close to read it in the dim light. Julien, I was knocking on your door for an hour. I could not wake you. I pray that you will see this letter in time. Julien, the telescopes on the upper observation deck say up. Beautiful! They are objects of beauty, Julia. You have cleaned them. You have done it, Julia. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I thank you. I did it. You did it? I was so surprised I stopped narrating. Read that part again. (laughs) Yeah, and then I'll keep reading. The janitor peers back at the page. Julia. The telescopes on the upper observation deck say are beautiful. They are objects of beauty, Julia. You have cleaned them. You have done it, Julia. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I thank you. But, Julia, the Eiffel Tower has two observation decks. The upper and the lower. My boss came today. Here the writing stops, and the paper seems to be wet with the mark of many tears. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The writing continues below, detailing his boss's visit in a nearly illegible tear-stained sprawl. I, I, I make up excuses. I say, I say no, you, uh, let's get a sandwich. You are hungry. So, uh, I say, we have a perfect, it's, it's, a perfect, it's a surprise. What you're going to see in the lower deck is a surprise. I am making up lies and tonight, tonight. Can you clean it tonight? Can you make downstairs look like upstairs? How did you do upstairs and not downstairs? The janitor puts down the letter. He opens the door and peers outside. The moon is high in the sky. It's almost morning. There isn't any time. What he did last night was a miracle. On the upper observation deck, he finds that indeed the telescopes are beautiful. But on the lower, he finds horror of horrors. What's he going to do? He has no idea how he did what he did last night. He daydreamed through the whole thing. There's only one thing he can do. He stares at the telescopes and he begins to daydream. Meanwhile, in the broadcast ballroom, the stagehands have been hard at work all day. We find them placing perfectly polished telescopes throughout the theater. Well, uh, I don't know, because they, they use uh, cheese and stuff in certain dishes. Cheese? You know, there's not that much cheese in dairy, though, right? They're finding out. Really? You, yeah, there's not that much about? cheese in dairy. Oh, sorry, yeah, there's not that find, much dairy in who cheese. Who find that out? There's not much dairy in cheese. I read about it the well, other day. Well, that's good for you. Who say? Thank you. I know. Who say? Uh, like all the scientists... Okay, enough talking. Pierre-Francois, you clean the last of the telescope. Jacques, you uh, sweep up over there. I'll go with you and check out the front of the house. Francois and Pierre start on the telescopes. 
Hey, hey. Did you see how the janitor cleaned these things? Yeah, I mean, how'd he do it? I'd always heard he was terrible at cleaning. He was like a man inspired. But there's so many telescopes, and he did them all in like three hours. I know. He, he's like one of them samurai or something. You know, you think they're deaf, dumb, and mute, and then the bad guys come in, and then they're like, whoa, wham. Yeah, he was like zen-like, all tranced out. But I mean, like, if you're no good at cleaning, how do you suddenly trance out and then clean thousands of telescopes perfectly? Why don't you ask him? He doesn't speak. Yeah. We were at that cafe for two hours. He didn't say a word. No, 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 no. He said one word. He said, yes. Uh, look, the, the janitor doesn't even know how to talk to people. He doesn't talk to anybody but that old man, and he doesn't even talk to him. He just, he just kind of tells them stories. Now, before we jump all over Jacques, in all fairness, we must admit that the janitor never offered much in the way of social niceties. No, hi, how you doing? How's your day been? How's your life going? Nothing. In fact, he'd never asked Coco a single thing about himself. It isn't normal to learn everything you know about your close acquaintances from eavesdropping. We must admit, he might do better. Returning to the conversation, Jacques had said that all the janitor had to offer Coco were weird stories. Weird stories. What do you mean by that? What kind of weird stories? Weird. A sort of wrestling match followed, which will spare you. The upshot of it was Francois and Pierre appealed to Jacques to give an example of one of these stories, which Jacques now will. You see, when cleaning telescopes together last night, the janitor had captivated Jacques with a story to avoid engaging in small talk. The story had made quite an impression on Jacques, and he'd felt that it somehow had made an impression on the janitor as well. To illustrate how each teller brings out different aspects of a story, we'll give you both their tellings, starting with Jacques. When he was a kid, in his neighborhood, there used to be this refrigerator repairman. Now, this guy was a fucking genius. He could fix anything. Not just electronics. If it was a machine, he could fix it. Like, instantly. Total genius. And the janitor? Uh, I mean, you'd hear about him in the neighborhood constantly, I mean, especially the girls and, like, our mothers. Uh-huh. I mean, it even reached me. Now, Jacques? None of the men in the entire town wanted to hire him, ever. All the women did. Always. You put two and two together. And the janitor? If you asked a girl about it, they'd say no boy would understand. But we all feel the same things, everybody. So I wanted to see him because I thought I would understand. So one day, the refrigerator breaks in the janitor's house. The janitor's mother convinces his stepfather to call this guy. The day comes, all the mother's friends... All the women from the neighborhood come over. And the janitor? I mean, my mom had taken off work. And my mom didn't socialize that much, really. And Jacques? The janitor's watching this. I mean, it's like a party. They're all giggling. They're having cocktails. It's the middle of the day. The janitor's like, Yo, what's going to happen? So this guy shows up. But he won't come in, like, until everybody clears out of the kitchen and goes to the other side of the house. Oh, my God. So all the women, they take the party inside. Janitor goes with them, but they don't go to the other side of the house. They all stay, quietly, fingers over their lips, smiling, just on the other side of the kitchen door. 
As the guy starts to work, they start staring through the keyhole, one by one, taking turns. And they're having such a good time, giggling, the janitor's watching. Finally, somebody notices him. They ask if he wants to take a look. I wanted to look so bad, because one by one, everyone who looked through it, they changed. They looked beautiful. One of them took me by the arm and they led me up to the keyhole. It was my turn. I looked through it. He looked ordinary. That couldn't have been why everyone was watching. But the thing that really struck me was that he loved our refrigerator. I could feel it. Yeah? It was beaming out of him. It filled the room. Love was visiting our kitchen. Wow. And his look said, It's okay that you're broken. You're going to be fine. And he went right up to the refrigerator. He barely touched it. He just gave it a little pat. Like patting someone on the back or the top of the head. I swear to God, it started to work. Really? It knew it could work and it wanted to work for him. And I knew that was what was happening. And then he turned to the toaster. And he did the same thing. And the light turned on. It wasn't even broken, but the, there had been this light on it that had been broken forever, and the light turned on. That's, uh, that's beautiful. And shock. The guy's in there. He hasn't taken out a single tool. The guy's in there, and he's got his arms around the refrigerator, and he's like, humping. Shock! <laughs> But Letitia freezes because John Cameron, looking like he'll badly need one of Letitia's patented coffee and ice bath pre-show routines with optional slaps, sneaks backstage and beckons Letitia to him. Letitia, act casual. Casual? Look behind me. Is there anything there? Anything? Following me. Look down. What, for someone short? Lower. There's nothing there. (sighs) Good. John, I think you need a rest. A rest? Do you know what I did today? I took the flea to its book signing. Let me just say that again. I took a flea to its book signing. They line up. I hold out my palm. It hops onto the book and signs its undetectable signature. And everyone's just delighted. They take photos with the flea, then they check the photos and they smile, but then they have their arms around nothing. Who cares? I ditched him at the bookstore. Snuck out the back way. Got a couple of drinks downtown. Met some very nice conventioneers. You know, John, you've been drinking a lot and it's not like you. Lots of people like me. You know, when it's especially nice is when they don't know who I am. Uh... That's when I know it means something. That's what I need. I don't need fans. I don't need friends. I need people who have no idea who I am, and I need millions of them. Uh, 
John, maybe you should sit down. You know you're tottering. Friends can hurt you. Fleas can hurt you. I'm going to make a movie about it. You know who I saw on my way back here? I saw that old man, the night watchman. What's his name? Uh, Coco. Coco. Mm -hmm. He was carrying groceries. I waved. He didn't see me. You know the look he had on his face? What? It was exactly the look someone gets when a person they care about has treated them badly. And it was a surprised look. And they're replaying the event in their mind over and over, trying to understand. Maybe they said something to their friend innocently, maybe asked a question, and their friend suddenly runs off, inexplicably offended, leaving you there. And then the next day, your friend forgets all about you because he's got other things on his mind. Maybe he has to polish a thousand telescopes. And there you are, all alone, with nothing else to think about because your friend is the one person you've grown used to passing the time with and talking with, and that's where friendship gets you. And what an amazing facial expression to express all of that. Suddenly, the janitor snaps out of his daydream on the lower observation deck. He has a rag in his hands, and his arms ache. There's a telescope in front of him. It's shining and beautiful. He looks at the railing in front of him, and that gleams too and the floor beneath his feet, and all around him the telescopes shine like stars in the early morning light. The entire lower observation deck is sparkling clean. But the janitor registers none of this. His heart pounding, there's only one thought in his mind. Coco. How many nights had it been since he'd last seen him? He could usually feel when Coco was there, and now that he thought about it, he... The janitor takes off running. The morning sun is up. Coco would normally be doing his paperwork now. Reaching the bottom of the stairs, he goes out. The light in the ticket booth is off. He walks up to it. He tries to peer inside to see if Coco even clocked in tonight, but he can't make it out. He looks for a moment at the heating duct. He had climbed in heating ducts many a time in his fantasies, but never in real life. I'm gonna do it. It's daylight. The morning staff is coming. They can't find you in there. It's where the money's kept. But, but the janitor isn't listening to me. The janitor climbs up on the roof of the ticket booth. There's a vent between the booth and the building. The janitor opens it up and pushes himself inside. In real life, it's terribly, terribly tight and terribly filthy, but the janitor pushes his body through into the ticket booth, where he tumbles onto the floor. He is shaken, but he gathers himself up. He goes over to the time clock. Coco didn't clock in tonight, or last night, or the night before. The janitor looks wildly around for Coco's paperwork, the night watchman's log, a notebook in which Coco records his nightly activities that the janitor knows the old man has turned into something of a diary. The janitor's eyes fall on a small locker marked night watchman, but there is a padlock on its door. The janitor is able to open the door nearly an inch before the lock stops him. He peers into this space, the thin line of light pouring through the crack alights on Coco's book, which is sitting open on the locker shelf. It illuminates something written at the top.
top of the notebook page. Hold on. Hard as it was to read in that thin crack of light, the janitor could make out these words. Something has happened. I'm not sure I can go on with the work I have undertaken at the Eiffel Tower. I am no longer sure of anything. It has to do with the janitor and the secret that surrounds him. But suddenly the janitor hears footsteps approaching. It's nearly opening time. The tower employees are coming in. Somebody's coming towards the ticket booth. He stayed in there too long. He ducks down. On the floor in front of him is a piece of paper. It must have fallen off the counter when he jumped into the room. He recognizes Mr. Chenard's handwriting. It's written to the ticket booth clerks. It's, it's an appeal for help. And the janitor's eyes settle on the words, Coco is missing. Circus and Naughty Till New Year's is a co-production of WNYC Studios and Night Vale Presents. Episode 10 featured Drew Callender, David Barlow, Julian Coster, Susanna Flood, Dan Solomon, John Cameron Mitchell, Jesse Shelton, Nicholas Carter, and Mickey Braden. It was written and directed by Julian and further workshopped with the cast and crew of The Orbiting Human Circus and produced by Christy Gressman. With musical composition and arrangement by Thomas Hughes, Music by Steve Bellow and the Music Tapes, lead editor Grant Stewart, editor Janelle Yee, and assistant editors Emily Marinoff and Jeff Tobias with Julian. Sound design by Jonathan Sirimos, Foley by John Ringhofer, and lathe cutting by Steve Espinola. Engineering by Vincent Cascione, and additional production and mixing by Will Stanton. Music from the show is being released by Merge Records. Become a friend of the Orbiting Human Circus on Patreon at patreon.com slash orbitinghumancircus. Check out shirts, pins, and more at topatico.com. That's T-O-P-A-T-O-C-O dot com. And follow us on Instagram at Orbiting Human Circus or Twitter at Orbiting Human. And for more information and full credits, go to orbitinghumancircus.com. We're hard at work on the ending of Naughty Till New Year's. And we'll return with our season finale episodes on May 6th and 20th with a special episode to follow on June 3rd. See you then!